This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hashem says to Avram, Lech lecha, me'artzacha, me'ladacha, me'savicha. Go for yourself. Leave your father's land, your homeland, your birthplace. Go to the land that I will show you. And with this begins one of the Nishonos of Avram Avinu. He's challenged on his journey. He's challenged to leave his birthplace. Now keep in mind that travel back then was not what travel is today. It was a very, very dangerous and very uncertain journey he was going on. You basically would pack up your caravan and you went. There were highway robbers, there were unknowns, there were great difficulties and great perils. And Avram Avinu was challenged with going to a foreign land, foreign culture, foreign language, with nothing there set up, nothing waiting for him. And Avram Avinu set out and took his family, took everything, went on the journey. And Rashi explains that the real Nisayun, the real test for Avram Avinu was not whether he would go. It was a given he was going to go. The question is, would he question Hashem? Without questioning, without a single hesitation, Hashem said, go. Avramino packed up and went. And he gets to Canaan. No sooner does Avramino get to Canaan than a very strange thing happens. There was a famine. There was nothing to eat. He gets to Canaan and there's nothing there to eat. But Rashi makes a very important point. It was Vahirav Ba'aretz, in that land, in Eretz Yisrael, in Canaan only, there was a famine. Everywhere else there was plenty, and this was another aspect of the test. Again, when Avram questioned Hashem, without hesitation, without questioning, he says to Sarai, we have to go down to Mitzrayim. On the way down, he says to his wife, listen, the Mitzrayim, they're immoral. If they find out that you're my wife, They'll likely kill me. Tell them you're my sister. They enter Mitzrayim under those pretenses. And the word comes to Paro that this beautiful woman Sarai is here. And Paro attempts to marry her. And through various miracles, she's saved from Paro's clutches. But this is one of the great accomplishments of Avram Avinu. He goes without questioning. He goes without a single hesitation. And the mission tells us, Asar Nesionos, ten separate tests Avram Avinu was faced with. And if you look in the Tulsa Jumtav over there, he explains that all of the tests were, again, not tests whether he would go, the tests were, would he question Hashem? Each one was a difficulty, each one was a challenge. Of course Avram would go, but would it be with this unwavering, complete pitachon, complete trust in Hashem, even when it's black, even when it's unclear? And each one Avram Avinu passed. And in fact, for eternity, if you imagine Avram Avinu's crown, ten separate jewels, fine distinct jewels. And if you'd like to know how great those jewels are, again, the Tosiyantav explains to us that throughout history, they reign. Throughout history, when the Jewish people are in trouble, we ask Hashem in the merit of the Avos, in the merit of Avram, and specifically in the merit of the Asar Nesionos, the ten challenges that he faced, and these acts were so great, so world-shaping, that an entire Uman, an entire nation, is saved in their merit. And this is a great accomplishment and a rather important concept to understand. But the Ramban brings out a very interesting point. The Ramban points out that an Asayun 
really doesn't make a lot of sense. If I'm a teacher and I'm teaching a class, I give them a test. Why? Because I don't know what they know. I, as the teacher, want to test the class to see who knows what, what they do know, what they don't know. But the problem is this is Hashem. And Hashem knows everything. And Hashem knows exactly where Avram Avinu is holding. And what does Hashem need a test for? And explains in Ramban that an Asayan is not a test as in a teacher finding out. An Asayan is an opportunity to take something from the potential and to bring it into the actual. Meaning to say if you have an Olympic swimmer and he trains for years and years and years and he's really at his peak and it's the day before the final swim and he breaks his arm, 10 years of effort down the drain. Because it's one opportunity to take all of that training and one opportunity to put it all into one action, that's what an Asayan is. Avram Avinu spent decades working, growing, growing, but this was a challenge. This was an opportunity to take all of that work and actualize it. Each Asayan challenged him to the maximum, and challenged him in an area, and through the process of these challenges, by overcoming it, he became a greater person. It took years and years and years to get to that point where everything was ready, but the challenge took it from the actual, from the potential and put it into the actual. The challenge is what made him. And if you want to know why Avram Avinu became who he became, these Nishonos made him into the man he was. And this concept is fundamental to understand because each of us are given many, many Nishonos throughout life. And to understand that challenges aren't just challenges to see if we survive, if we continue, quite the opposite. An Asayan is handcrafted for my growth. It's not a test in a sense, Hashem will see whether I have I can weather the storm. It's an opportunity to take from the potential and actualize it. And through each hurdle, through each Olympic game you compete in, you become better, you become strong, you become a bigger person. An Asayan is a chance to take what you've worked on for years and years and bring it to the forefront. And that's actually what an Asayan is. And this concept is fundamental to understanding life. And this alone would be a very interesting thing to learn from the Parsha, except there's one problem. The Ramban says a very eye-opening expression. It says Ramban, ki Avram Avinu chot chet gedola b'shkaga. Avram Avinu sinned a great sin, b'shogeg, unintentionally, but he sinned a great sin. What was that great sin? He left Canaan. He got to Canaan, and he then went to Mitzrayim. By doing that, he put his wife in jeopardy. In fact, his wife was taken to the house of Paro. If it weren't for miracles, his wife would have been raped. He put his righteous wife in great danger and says Ramban, he sinned the great sin. What should he have done? He should have remained in Canaan. He should have trusted in Hashem. Hashem told you to go to Canaan. There's no food. Have bitachon. He should have stayed there. Should have remained there because he didn't have enough trust in Hashem because of his lack of trust, he made a mistake, he went down to Mitzrayim, he sinned a great sin. Now, this Ramban is very difficult to understand, because one of the shining jewels in Avram Vino's crown is the fact that he got to Canaan, saw there was no food, without hesitation, without questioning Hashem, and right away went down to Mitzrayim. That's one of his great accomplishments, that's the Nisoyen that he passed. How can the Ramban say that he failed? Chet Godel, a great sin, Avram Avinu sinned, unintentionally, but he sinned. 
I thought it was a great accomplishment. It's one of the Asarnasyonos, one of the great things that Avram Vinu did. And the question is, what does this Ramban mean? Was this leaving Canaan a great accomplishment? Was it a failure? What is Ramban telling us? And to understand the answer to this question, I'd like to share with you a perspective. I got a call a number of years back from a from psychiatrist who was dealing with a young yeshiva bacher, and the yeshiva bacher was being plagued by guilt. He had obsessive thinking. The problem was this yeshiva bacher was involved in a chait, a sin that many bacherim were involved in, but it wasn't the sin. The problem was the guilt he felt. He was plagued, just destroyed by the guilt. How could I do that? How could I do that? And this fellow couldn't live with himself. So the psychiatrist called me up to ask me, what's Ashkafa? What should he tell this young man? <clears throat> He's killing himself. He literally can't function. What is the right Torah Ashkafa? So I said to the psychiatrist, I want you to tell the young man as follows. I want you to tell him there's a Gemara in Baba Basram. <clears throat> the Gemara tells us that four men, four men never sinned. Four men came into this world holy and pure and left this world in the same state. And I want you to listen carefully who they were. The Gemara tells us, Binyamim bin Yaakov, Amram, father of Moshe, Yishai, father of David, and Kelov ben David, the son of David. These four men left the world without a sin. Now what I want you to explain to this young man is something very important to understand about this Gemara. These four men were great. Great. But these are not the greatest people that ever lived. As a matter of fact, we know exactly who the greats are. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, David. The Ovos, the Imos, were the pillars, the greatest human beings that ever lived. These people were tzaddikim, very impressive, but they were nowhere near the league of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. They were great people, great people, but not within miles and miles and miles of the Ovos, of the Imos. And Rabbi Davidovitz, Rashiv of Rochester, made a very important point from this Gemara. And that is that very nice you didn't sin. But what did you accomplish? You see, a big part of life is not sinning. And many times you'll be faced with Nishonos. And the growth is resisting and fighting. And that's a big part of succeeding in life. But the true measure of the human being is what you accomplished. Part of your growth is being Omi bin Sayan, but there's a whole lot more to it. There's a whole lot more, and as great as these people were, they were nowhere near the Ovos, nowhere near the Imos. Even though the Ovos all failed at certain points, even though each of them sinned, these four people never sinned, but they were nowhere near the caliber nowhere near the level of the Ovos. As a matter of fact, to make this clear, I had to look this Gemara up, and I got to the son of David, and I said, hmm, how do you pronounce it? I don't remember. How do you pronounce it? And I had to open a Novi and remember that it's Kila'ev. The proper pronunciation of David's son's name is Kila'ev from Kila'av, like from the father, because, to be honest with you, he's not one of the famous people in Chazal. So here's the point. They were pure. They never sinned. But that's not the measure of the man. It's part of the growth, part of the process. But the true measure of a human being is what you accomplished, what you did. Part of the growth is resisting, but it's but a part. The true measure of the person is how much you accomplished, how much you did. 
And I have a mushal, and I said to this doctor, I said, I want to share with you. I want you to imagine that I have in my hand two diamonds, two 10-carat diamonds, one in each hand. And my left hand is a flawless, internally, externally flawless, perfect diamond. In my right hand is also a 10-carat diamond, very fine, very good, but there's a flaw, difficult to see with the naked eye, but if you pull out a loop, you can see that small, small flaw in it. If I were to ask you, what's the difference in the value between a flawless, perfect diamond and a diamond, very, very fine quality, but with a flaw? I'm sure you would tell me that the difference in value is, is dramatic, <clears throat> fantastic difference in value, and I would agree wholeheartedly. You see, the diamond that's perfect is valueless because, you see, only perfect diamonds are made in the lab. Any diamond, if it was taken from the ground, has a flaw. It might be small, it might be tiny. A 10-carat diamond with a small, tiny little flaw could be worth a king's ransom. But the flaw is what lets you know that it is real. If you find me a flawless, perfect diamond, beautiful, clean in and out, it's cubic zirconium, it was made in the lab, it's basically worthless. And when I said to this doctor, was I said, that's what I want you to tell this young man. And there are malachim that Hashem created, millions, millions, billions. They are perfect creatures. But there's not a malach in existence that can reach the level of Adam. But man is flawed. Man is sin. That's correct. A brilliant, brilliant, giant diamond with a flaw is worth incredible ransom. Incredible amounts of money. A perfect malach, as perfect as a malach is, is nowhere near as great as a human being with a flaw. And I told this doctor, tell this young man that he has a major nesayan and a minor nesayan. The minor nesayan is what he does with this issue right now that he's dealing with, hate. If he solves it now, fine, maybe when he gets married, maybe later, I don't know. But the real test is what's he going to do with the guilt? I said, if he grows and accomplishes, he can reach stellar heights. He'll clean up this at a later point. But he'll be a tremendous human being. He could be a tamachacham. He could be a tremendous asset. Tremendous. But if he allows the guilt to destroy him, he's going to implode. He'll be nothing. The sin that he thinks is the big nesayin is the small nesayin. The real test is what he's going to do with those thoughts, the guilt, He's going to keep growing, keep accomplishing, and eventually he'll deal with that issue. But that's the major Nisayan. And I believe that's exactly the answer for Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was asked to go to Canaan. Had he been in a higher Madrega, he would have remained in Canaan, as Ramban says. But he wasn't. But in that moment, he didn't question Hashem. Had he been more perfect, he would have remained. But he was on a little bit lacking, a tiny, tiny little bit lack of bitachon. And because of that, he assumed that he was supposed to go down to Mitzrayim. But in that moment, he had absolute unwavering trust. And if you'd like to understand this action, it's a 200-carat diamond, brilliant, with a flaw, very small flaw. Had he been on a higher level, had he been even greater, he would have remained in Canaan. It was a slight flaw. But nevertheless, it's a diamond, unparalleled value, something that remains for eternity, but it's a diamond with a flaw. But you see, the flaw doesn't make the diamond valueless, quite the opposite. The flaw is what lets you know that it's real.
And Avram Avinu has ten shining jewels in his crown. One of them has a slight flaw, a slight little flaw. Had he been even greater, he would have remained in Canaan. That was a slight lack. Nevertheless, it's a brilliant diamond. And this concept, I believe, that the Ramban shares with us is something that's very, very relevant to life. You see, many, many times we're going to deal with ourselves and at a certain point we might actually be honest. It may be rare, but on that rare occasion when we're honest and on that rare occasion when we actually look in the mirror and we say, you know something? I'm not a perfect human being. I have flaws. Maybe it's arrogance, maybe it's my temper, maybe it's my selfishness, maybe it's self Whatever it is, I have flaws. And more than that, you know, the actions that I do, yes, I learn, but is it really a whole, totally lishma? Yes, I give tzedakah, but isn't there some honor? Yes, I do good things, but aren't there flaws in it? And it's at that moment that I have to resist what's so natural to people. And that is they throw it out. Look at it, it's flawed. It's a flawed action. A flawed action is worthless. <clears throat> yeah, I learned. Okay, I finished a masechta, but it was so covered. <clears throat> yeah, I gave tzedakah, but look, they gave, put my name up here and there. <clears throat> yeah, I do chesed, but... And the minute I detect the flaw, I feel the action is valueless. I throw it out. But that is a grave, grave fallacy. <clears throat> Malachim are perfect. We human beings are not. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to accomplish. And we're supposed to perfect ourselves as much as we can. And we're supposed to get comfortable with the idea that I'm not perfect. If I were perfect, I would have done my job already. I shouldn't put me here to grow and accomplish, to perfect myself. If, in fact, I were perfect, then my job is done and over. So, hopefully, I have some more work to do. But that means there are still flaws, there are still things wrong. And even my great actions, even the things that I do really well, are going to have things wrong with them are going to have flaws, they're going to have chesronos. And even my great, great accomplishments might have flaws, and learning to get comfortable with that is something that's very, very important. But there's a corollary that's maybe even more important, and that is learning to deal with people around me. We're very, very good at noticing the flaw. Look at this one. Eh, he talks in dominating. <clears throat> this one's very critical. This one's a big shot. This one, that... <clears throat> And we have this uncanny ability to apostle. Yeah, yeah, him, nah, nah. And I'd like to share with you, you might be right. That person might have a flaw. What they're doing might be for honor. It might be true. She might be critical. And it might make it difficult for other people around her. But you have to understand what that means is that she is a human being. And just like you and I with flaws, but that doesn't discount what he accomplishes, doesn't discount what she does. Should she work on it? Absolutely. But recognizing that it's very easy for me, from my philosophical standpoint, to say he should be, she should be, and to forget about the fact that I have my own flaws is one of the grave dangers of being judgmental. I have to recognize that if I'm right, first of all, it's not exactly my business. Second of all, we human beings really are very poorly equipped to judge. Because to judge another human being, have to know where he's coming from, <clears throat> what this action is, the history, the temperament, the personality, and <clears throat> have to know the entire history of this person and what's really happening. And quickly you realize that we human beings are not well equipped for that. <clears throat> but more than that, let's say I got it right. <clears throat> let's say I fundamentally understood the nature of this person. 
I saw the neshama before it was put to the guf. So I knew exactly the nature of this person's drives and aspirations. I knew exactly how much arrogance, how much taiva. And I knew exactly what they were challenged with in life. And I watched them throughout their growth. And I saw how much energy they have, how much personal ambition they have, how much intelligence. And I knew exactly where they're holding. Even if I really had it down like that, which is slightly debatable, but even if I did that, okay, there is a flaw in that action. It's a diamond, 10, 20 carat, maybe 100 carat diamond, but that doesn't discount it. It doesn't make it worthless. It's a diamond with a flaw. And the same way I have to train myself to look at myself and recognize that I have flaws and recognize it doesn't discount what I do. I have to train myself that if I do see someone else with a flaw, that doesn't discount what they do. It's a diamond with a flaw. And they may be, by the way, for the record, they may tower over me. And the world to come, they may be so much greater than me that it will be embarrassing beyond description. Because I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know where they're at. And the flaw that I decided is so grave, so egregious, who says I'm right? If you take the loop and you look at that diamond, the flaw, oh my God, look at that flaw. Oh, look, it's big, it's black. Ah. Yeah, but that loop is your eye peering into the essence the act could be brilliant. The act could be bold and great. You're focused on the floor. That's all you see. But that doesn't mean that's the reality of it. And it doesn't mean it's the way Hashem views it. But there's a step here that requires even more understanding. Let's read the words of Tachanun. We say these words daily. And they're very interesting words. In these words, Davr Melech describes... Yagati ba'anchasi. I'm, I'm, I'm drained because of my, my groans. Esachab chalayla mitasi. My, I wet my bed with my tears. Wet my bed each night. Bidimasi arsi emse. My tears flow overflow. He's describing tremendous sorrow, tremendous, tremendous pain. Why? Because, as a melech b'Israel, as a king in Israel, Dover melech failed. Adoni ha'melech. Halohi Batsheva. Dovermel called his guard and said, Bring me that woman. The guard said, Your Majesty, isn't that Batsheva the wife of Uriachiti? A married woman? Bring her. And if they Amva Eda in front of everyone, not in front of, everyone knew that Dovermelech lived with an Aishas Ish. And for the rest of his life, he suffered Busha. The Medrash tells us he would walk into a base Medrash. And two Tamidichamim would be speaking, and one would look to the other and say, Tell me, uh, an Aishas Ish, <laughs> an, an Aishas Ish, if a man lives with an Aishas Ish, what's Allah? And David Melech would answer, A man who lives with an Aishas Ish is Chayev Skila, He has a portion of the world to come. If you embarrass someone in public, you have no portion of the world to come. The king of Israel was embarrassed publicly. Talmud Chachamim would mock him because, again, it was such an affront. And the Melech Yisrael to do this was such an affront that for the rest of his life he suffered. And read the words of Tachnan. You see the regret and the remorse. Incredible. So here's my question. My question is, what bridge did Dovra Melech jump off of? Right? I mean, he did it. He woke up the next morning. Oh my goodness! Ah! Clearly, he found a very tall bridge, I guess a tall building, and he jumped off and ended his life. Right? I mean, it's over. I mean, Mashiach 
David HaMelech anointed the chosen Hashem. That's over. It's done with. Clearly, he jumped off a bridge and ended his life, right? Uh, but that's not quite the end of the story. One of those seven great people for eternity is David HaMelech. A debate, number six, number seven. Where, but he's up there in the annals of the great. The Machaber, the writer of Tehillim. The one who is the Mashiach, the one who is the father of Mashiach, the lineage that will bring us out finally from this long exile. But do you understand this concept? David Melch did not end his life and didn't end his Avodah Hashem because David Melch had an incredibly important perspective. He had the ability to look at an action and say these words, I failed. But that doesn't mean I am a failure. I failed. I messed up. I blew it. I, in a major, not in a small way. He groans, crying bitter tears. And he really understood it. And he did tshuva. He understood that he failed. But he also understood that that doesn't make him a failure. He's still a great human being with tremendous accomplishments, tremendous miles, and he can do tshuva. And more than that, it's one act, one part of the totality of him. And that ability to recognize that I failed, but that doesn't make me a failure, is something that seems to be very lacking. It seems to be this rather <clears throat> curious instinct. Either it's mutter, yeah, come on, it's nothing, nothing wrong with it. Or the minute I understand something's wrong with it, oh, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. And the ability to recognize, yes, it is true. And what I did is wrong. I failed. I blew it. I yelled at this person. I opened my mouth. I should, I, it was really horrifically wrong, uncalled for, and absolutely inexcusable. So, so I'm a failure? I'm a human being. I have to right the wrongs. I have to <clears throat> repair what I did wrong. But the fortitude to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, I failed, but that doesn't mean I am a failure, is something that requires tremendous gvura, tremendous work. But that's, I believe, what this Ramban is sharing with us. <clears throat> Avram Avinu, as great as he was, failed. Now his <clears throat> failure was the kind of thing we can't even... We can't even really understand it because, again, you and I, if we got to Canaan, <clears throat> that's the Derech HaTeva. But his level of bitachon was so great, and he so clearly saw Hashem every day, always with him, that he really could have apparently had more trust, and in that sense he failed. Nevertheless, it doesn't destroy the act. There's a flaw. A 200-carat diamond with a minor flaw is still a shining jewel for eternity. But again, I think David HaMelech shows us something even more. And something that really is a profound Avera. Something that is really something that David HaMelech was embarrassed about for the rest of his life. Nevertheless, he was able to sustain this understanding. I failed, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. And with that understanding, I'd like to share with you what I call the great philosophical question. The great philosophical question goes like this. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? But I don't mean how are you doing as in high. How are you doing at this thing called life? Meaning, how do you rate? How do you rate as this thing that we call life? How are you doing? Now, if you think about this, what you'll quickly realize is that there are many, many issues that you and I are challenged with. Many areas of growth. There's growing in learning, there's growing in 
depth of learning in Bikiyas and Halacha, there's growing in Midos. In Midos, in my character traits, there are many things. There's generosity, there's humility, there's tolerance, there's Yerushalayim. Am I davening as a mensch? Am I growing in my Yerushalayim? Do I see Hashem? Do I focus on that? There's family relationships. How do I treat my siblings? How do I treat my parents? How do I treat my children? Certainly my wife. There are many, many issues. I have community issues. There are many, many areas that a person is challenged with, and a person has to set goals, and a person has to be growing in all of them. And now I'd like to share with you one observation that I consider critical. And that is, if you are not failing in at least one area of life, then you are failing at life. If you wake up in the morning and you feel, I got it all under control, and you sincerely feel that you're not failing in at least one area of life, then I share with you, you're failing at life. Why? Because then you have no idea of your potential. You have no idea of what you could accomplish. You have no idea of what's expected of you. Because there are so many different areas, and the human being has such tremendous potential, it's impossible to focus on all of them at the same time. And if, in fact, you're not failing in at least one area, it means you're not paying attention, you have no idea. And that is a critical idea to understand. Why? Because you see, if I cannot get comfortable with the fact that I have shortcomings, if I can't get comfortable with the fact that I fail in certain areas, then how am I ever going to grow? You see, our goals, our aspirations are only based on where we're at. Right now, I'm perfect. I am perfect. My midos, my davening, my learning, the way I act, I am perfect. I am perfect means I'm in big trouble. Why? Because that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to set goals. I'm not going to demand of myself. I'm not going to say, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to sit down and learn Muslim. I'm not going to challenge myself. Because, hey, listen, I'm perfect in, in, in everything. And as odd as it sounds, it seems there's this inability. Oh, my, my self-esteem is going to become crushed. If I ever deal with the fact that I have shortcomings, I'm going to feel like a nobody. But if you really want to grow, you have to get comfortable with that reality. People far greater than you, people infinitely greater than you had shortcomings. But that's part of the program. A malach has no flaws, but a malach will never be what you could be. But the only way you could reach that is if you get comfortable with the fact that I have shortcomings, I have flaws, I do things wrong. And the ability to say, I blew it, I messed up, so I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, I'm worth it, I'm garbage, I'm going to jump up. No. I'm a human being with tremendous accomplishments. I've done this, I've done that. And I also messed up. One doesn't negate the other. One doesn't <clears throat> obliterate the other. A diamond has a flaw. And you can have many, many diamonds, many, many great accomplishments, and you can have one big Avera. Okay. In the mix, you still have tremendous value. You can't rest on your laurels, and you can't rely on the fact that <clears throat> Hashem will forgive me because <clears throat> each one is a challenge and each one is part of your growth. But getting very, very comfortable with that idea is the key to growth. I think what this Ramban shares with us is that Avram Avinu, as great as he was, as phenomenal as he was, had shortcomings. And by the way, the Chumash lets us know over and over, the Ovos are in detail, and we're told they're shortcomings. Again, even though when you learn it, you realize that their shortcomings are things we can't even imagine, because for us, there would never be a flaw. Nevertheless, the Torah is very clear. There are four men who never sinned, and it, they were great. 
but they were nowhere near Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. They were nowhere near Sarah and Rachel and Leah. Those four men, in fact, Kalev, again, go, go look it up. Find me how many times in Shas the name is mentioned. Because it's not about not sinning. Now, again, you can't not sin because, <clears throat> number one, Hashem says not to do it. <clears throat> number two, many of the Nishonas of life, many of the tests, the resisting and the fighting, that's what makes you grow. And make, <clears throat> it's a big part of growth. But nevertheless, the measure of the man is not the not failing. The measure of the man is what you accomplished, what you did, and how far you went. And understanding that is a key fundamental concept. And understanding that there are many, many dimensions of life. Understanding that I have to get very comfortable at looking at myself and recognizing that, yes, I have flaws, things I wish I didn't have. I sure hope my life isn't over now because I don't want to be this way forever. One of the frightening things to me personally is Rahman al-San, if it's over, say the curtain comes down, it's done, I am stuck where I am now. And that's pretty scary. Because if you're ever honest, and you ever look in the mirror, okay, yeah, I did this, that's nice, I did that, but, ooh, that's pretty, <clears throat> and that, mm. But the only way you're ever going to grow is if you get comfortable with that. And the only way you're ever going to grow is if you get comfortable with the idea that, yes, I have shortcomings. And the only way you're ever going to deal with other people properly is by understanding that it's true. That person may have a flaw. He may be arrogant. But it could be he shines over you like there's no yesterday. But there's a flaw. Look, Gaiva. Look, the Tova Hashem. That's very nice. And should he work on it? Yeah. First of all, you should work on your own stuff first. But should he work on it? Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's nothing there. There's a flaw. But a powerful diamond with a flaw, nevertheless, is a powerful diamond. But again, the other lesson that's critical to understand is that when you and I fail, and in that moment when we recognize it, the ability to say, I failed, doesn't make me a failure, is the key. That's what Dabra Melch had, that's what Avram Vino had, and that's a lesson that Chazal teach us. But to get that, to understand that, you have to understand the greatness of a human, you have to understand that Hashem only wants our success, and you have to understand as great as human being is, he's a diamond, a diamond may have a flaw, a malach doesn't, but at the end of the day, we're not about being perfect. We're about growing and accomplishing. May Hashem grant us the wisdom and the ability to put this into practice. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.